This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast Show 507. Every single time I'm doing something big, I'm like, this is it. Like, when I'm done this one, I am done. And then you finish it and you look back on it. And it's like anything, when you're pushing limits and boundaries, dude, it's super tough when you're in the middle of it. And if you're truly pushing limits, then it's the hardest thing you've ever done to that moment. But then when you accomplish it, right, you take a look back, you analyze it, and you're like, ah, okay, I learned here, I grew here. You know, and then you've got different perception and perspective on what was happening, and you're like, okay, now what's possible, right? You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com. Your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everyone? It's Brandon Turner, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast here with my co-host, Mr. David Does the Work Green. What's up, man? How you doing? <laughs> These nicknames are getting more and more show focused. I like it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually putting some effort into it now. Uh, anyway, what's up, man? How's your, uh, I'm going to ask you a question. How's your workouts going lately? You been at the gym? Um, no, I'm going today. I haven't been going a lot. The, okay. I started jujitsu and my neck got cranked on quite a bit. So Ooh. I've been in the, the chiropractic office and getting massage and physical therapy, trying to get it straightened out again. I always have neck and back problems. So haven't done a ton of that, but I am going to be going today. And uh, jujitsu is sort of becoming a little more consistent. I'm getting two days a week in right now. So the goal is to get to where I can get four days a week, probably not rolling every single day. That'd be a lot to just take on in the beginning, but I want to get up to four days a week. Unless you're the iron cowboy, then five, seven days a week would be about normal. Yeah. Seven days a week, <laughs> twice a day. He's like, basically I time, yeah. I just count the time I'm not doing jujitsu is what James would be doing. <laughs> All right. So our guest today is the iron cowboy. Uh, his name is James Lawrence, but he's known as the iron cowboy uh, in the world of uh, competitive athletics and crazy feats uh guinness world record holder multiple times uh ran 50 was it 50 triathlons in 50 days in 50 states and then a few years later i uh, just recently did a hundred triathlons in a hundred days just complete craziness uh but he's also an entrepreneur a speaker and a awesome guy who's going to tell us a ton about what mental toughness is and how that works and how we can apply that to our business and our life to do better uh, in every area of our life. It was really a, a really great conversation about a lot of different topics. And of course, it's about, you know, kind of wrapped in this idea of athletics, but I don't, I don't care if you've never walked a mile in your life. This show is going to, it's just going to deliver a lot of massive value to your life and things that you can apply to your business or your family life, your entrepreneurship, your fitness, whatever. It's going to help you. I really think you're going to love this show. Now, before we get into it, though, let's get to today's quick tip. You know, one of the things we talk about today on the show is this idea of starting small and scaling up. Uh, and the, in real estate, we talk about something called a stack. It means you start small and then you maybe double every year or every time you buy a property and kind of invest outside your comfort zone. So here's what I want you to write down. Uh, if you could take five minutes today and write down, what is that next purchase? Maybe it's your first purchase. Maybe it's your, maybe you've done a hundred already. What's that next purchase that scares you? And that, that's going to pull into the show a little bit. You're going to hear a little more about James, how he picked the goal of 100 triathlons having to do with what, scary, what scares him. So I don't know, what, what scares you? Not like impossible, not like 100x or whatever, but like what scares you? And does the goal you're shooting for right now scare you a little bit? Go ahead and jot down some notes on that. Do some self-reflection and uh, then listen to the show. 
Did you know that short and medium term rentals often offer double the cash flow compared to long term rentals? Well, it's true. And rental retirement just made investing in them easier than before. Now you can buy fully turnkey short and medium term rentals that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed. Maximize your cash flow, appreciation and equity while the rental retirement team takes care of all of it for you. Plus, their creative financing options like interest rate buy downs can get you a rate in the low fives. And their investor loans let you buy multiple properties with as little as 5% down, not 20%. 5% down. But why buy with rent to retirement? They're investors just like you and me and rock one of the highest reputations across bigger pockets with more five-star reviews than any other company on our site. And I think that's a pretty big deal. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com. Or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI33777 to learn more about how you can get started investing in some of the best cash flow markets today. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder Dave Van Horn wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. Every lender loves to talk about how easy it is to get a mortgage. Then when it's time to fund your next deal, they ask for your full financials, your blood type, your mother's famous spaghetti recipe, and a map to the fountain of youth. Sound familiar? You got all that handy, right? Why not switch to a lender who actually makes qualifying for a loan easy? A lender like Host Financial. Host Financial takes the tedious tax returns, endless W-2s, and time-consuming financial requests out of the picture. Their light dock and common sense underwriting guidelines mean frictionless transactions every time. You'll even be able to use the actual or projected income of the short-term or long-term rental you're looking to purchase or pull equity out of. That's what lending built for investors looks like. So take the next step and grow your portfolio faster. Visit hostfinancial.com to request a quote in as fast as 60 seconds, which is faster than this ad. If not, it's pretty close. That's host, H-O-S-T, financial.com. Again, that's host, H-O-S-T, financial.com. All right. I think we're ready to jump into the show with the Iron Cowboy. Anything you want to add before we get in, David Green? No, this one's great. Let's roll. All right, James, welcome to the Bigger Pockets podcast, man. It's awesome to have you join us. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks, David. Happy to be here. Yeah, so let's let's jump into your story. I mean, I want to get through all the 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 triathlons and the crazy feats you've done, but have you always been an athlete? Is that where this thing started or, or what was your kind of your background? Yeah, I mean, I guess you would say there was a gap in my athletic career. Just always been athletic kid, always loved sports. The only one in my entire family. I've got sisters, uh, only sisters, uh, neither of my parents are athletic into sports. And so it's kind of like a lone wolf, um, in my family. And i um, just found athletics in school and I just did every, every time there was a tryout for any sport, 
Um, I, and I would, I mean, I was on the badminton team. I was, I did all the cross country events. I did handball. I, you know, I, just everything and, um, made all the teams and, and just had a ton of fun. It became kind of my, uh, thing to do. Um, I grew up in Canada and so you got really long, cold winters. And if you're not playing hockey, uh, you better be, you better be doing something else or you're getting in trouble. And so, uh, for me, it was just, you know, a lot of, a lot of different sports. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to contrast the kids of today. They just get so hyper-focused on one sport at such a young age because yeah. mom and dad want them to go to the, go to the Olympics. And I think they're, they're doing a disservice to their kid and truly finding out what sport they truly enjoy and then really getting a well-rounded base of athleticism for, for that kid or that, that person. And so for me, it just started with playing every sport possible. And I gravitated towards wrestling in about seventh grade, um, still did all the sports. And then by the time I hit high school in 10th grade, um, I just went wrestling exclusive. Um, and then for my last years through high school and a couple years after high school, that's all I did was I wrestled. And so I, I really think that was an unbelievable foundation for me as far as athleticism yeah. and also mental toughness. I get asked often, you know, when did that mental toughness journey kind of start for you? Um, and if I was to kind of a pinpoint a time in my journey early on in athletics, it would, it would be those wrestling days. Cause I didn't start out a great wrestler. You know, you, you get, you get beat up when you don't know what you're doing and the kids have been doing it for a while. And it, it takes guts at that age, you know, 11 years old to say, okay, I'm going to go back out there and get my ass handed to me again. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that, that just takes some early, early day resilience and, and stick to itiveness, if that's even a word. And, and so, you know, that was kind of the beginning. And then that lull after competitiveness in high school and whatnot, there's not really an outlet. You know, there, there's rec murals and slow pitch softball and things like that. But I, that really wasn't, wasn't my jam. And so you, you, I kind of got displaced a little bit, still went to the gym, still did my weights. And then I got into running with my wife. Um, I'd been married for a couple of years and really, she took me out to this four-mile fun run, and I kind of just suffered and staggered through it. And I was a com- complete disaster, and I hated running. And uh, and I know with my history, that, that comes as a bit of a surprise. <laughs> um, I learned to enjoy it a little bit more. Um, and then that's kind of how I you know, stumbled into endurance racing. And as we'll talk about, things escalated from there. Um, but it kind of all started after a lapse from, you know, wrestling in high school and, and a little bit after high school um, into kind of just running with my wife. And uh, we found triathlon together and and really got into the multi-sport world and loved the community. Um, it was kind of like in its infancy as far as like the, the big spike that it's had over the last little while. And it was just really cool. It was organic. It was fun. It was um, something new that I had never done before. And I, and I was good at it. <laughs> and, uh, when you, you know, things are always more fun when you're good at them. Yeah. And, uh, and then I just really dove in, started to learn and, and just, just kind of fell in love with endurance sports. That's cool. Can you walk people through or explain what a triathlon is? Just, just so we make sure everyone understands. I'm sure it'll come up. Yeah. So, there. so triathlon try is three and it, it's a, it's a race that compiles three events, swimming, biking, and running. And within the triathlon family, there's there's four pretty main distances. So the, the shortest is called the sprint distance and then it doubles and is called the Olympic distance. And it's what they actually race in the Olympics. 
it doubles again to the half um, half distance, and then it doubles again to the full distance. And the most common brand of the full distance is called an Ironman. And so uh, a lot of people just think the race is called the Ironman, but that's just a brand. It's actually a full distance triathlon. So it goes sprint, Olympic, which they do in the Olympics, half distance, full distance. And so those are kind of your four, and they're all swim, bike, run, kind of doubling each time. That makes sense. Yeah, I did the uh, I did the half. So I did a I did a half Ironman a couple of years ago, and it was awesome. it was no joke. I I don't think I'll I don't think like I don't think I'll ever do a full because like, and I want I want to ask your opinion on this, but I I didn't enjoy the pain like the, the pain or the, the the struggle that went with it. Like I didn't enjoy practicing the running. I didn't enjoy the biking or the swimming all that much. Like there are sports I enjoy, but I didn't love that. Did but you enjoy like you're out there running. You're just like this is great. I enjoy this. Or is it always a struggle? Always like. Oh man, this is hard, but I just love the results from afterwards. No, see, I, I'm not, a, I'm not a big lover of training. I love to race mm. and it's no fun to suck at racing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so for me, I, I tolerate and I do the training so that I can go out and perform and, and race and, and compete. And my wife's the exact opposite. She loves the training aspect and then hates race day because she is so easygoing, loves to have fun. She's she's the person on the race course that's cheering everybody around her and um, borderline obnoxious. Um, <laughs> but but we love we love those people too. Um, and but I you know I, I've I love cycling. Like I did a three hour ride today on a mountain bike up in the mountains here in Utah, and it was spectacular. I loved every second of it. Mm-hmm. And then I you know I really don't enjoy like going out and pounding the pavement and going on a run like that. But I live in the, in the, in the Rocky mountains in the Wasatch Valley here in Utah, just South of Salt Lake city. And we have world-class trails here and I'll go on a two, three hour run and it goes by quick and it's enjoyable and you do it with a group of friends. And so I, I've really started to enjoy the, the training part of it. And, but I, but I love the racing part. That that's what's fun, and as my career has escalated, I've got more into more of of pushing, you know, human potential, like truly finding out what your body and mind can do. Mm. Um, and there is there's there's a little bit of enjoyment in that that pain cave in that suffering mode, you know, and it, it and it's not a flex. It's just you know I can appreciate that moment because when you get to the other side of that, it, you know, that's what I did. You know, and, and that just that sense of accomplishment is is super, super cool. You know, it, with, with the long endurance stuff, dude, I retire every single race in the middle of it. Like when I, I every single time I'm doing something big, I'm like, this is it. Like when I'm done this one, I am done. <laughs> and then, you know, you know, and then you finish it and you look back on it. Yep. And it's like anything when you're pushing limits and boundaries, dude, it's super tough when you're in the middle of it. And if you're truly pushing limits and it's the hardest thing you've ever done to that moment. Um, But then when you accomplish it, right, you take a look back, you analyze it and you're like, ah, okay, I learned here. I grew here, you know, and then you've got different perception and perspective on what was happening. And you're like, okay, now what's possible. Right. (laughs) And, and really, and then you continue to push that envelope. And, you know, we just did, we're just coming off of a huge, huge campaign that lasted a quarter of a year. And I can honestly say that I am, fully satisfied i have found a limit to my satisfaction <laughs> i true truly believe that i could take on any challenge physically and mentally if i prepared well for it i, I just man i just i, I want to get more into a comfortable the comfortable phase of my life 
Yeah. Um, where, where I'm just not like burying myself, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting a little bit older. I'm, I turned 45 in the middle of that journey. Um, I've got five kids that are right in that age to like 12 to 12 to 18, 19. And they're like, okay, they're transitioning in. I'm going to blink. They're going to be out of the house. And so for me, it's like, okay, this is a really meaningful six years with my family, my kids and kind of a, they're all super, you know, in a time of their lives where they're absorbing their sponges and, and what we do and say really makes a difference in this time of their lives. And so, you know, I, I'm busy with, with business and I'm busy with, training and still maintaining my health and I'm still doing races that, you know, trying to be competitive for my, my age bracket. I'm not, I'm not winning races anymore. Um, that was years ago. Um, but, but I still love to, to push myself and see what I'm capable of, right? Like just testing myself against the course and the clock. Yeah. It's really good. So the, the, the event you're talking about is the hundred, the hundred, what was it? hundred day challenge. What do you call it? The conquer a hundred conquer 100. Yeah, Conquer 100. And I, I followed every every day of that of yours. And I want to get to that in a second. But first, I want to I want to pull back to the the 50. Right. So you did was it 50 triathlons in 50 days in 50 states. Is that right? Yeah. So 50, 50, 50. So we'll, we'll yeah. just back up even further. Yeah, please. 2000, 2010, I broke the world record for the most half firemans in a year. And then I was like, well, I don't know anybody that wants to be the half Ironman world record holder. <laughs> <laughs> when there's when there's fools out there, right? And so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do some research, find out what the full world record is. Um, looked up Guinness and found out the number, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna take that down. Ended up doing 30 full distances, 11 countries around the world, all official sanctioned events, raced them all, uh, won two of them, placed second five times. Just had an unbelievable run. Um, 39 years old, and uh, again, when you finish that, you're like, holy crap, that was the hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah. But, but then you look back and you go, okay, you know, a year after you're like, okay, what's possible. And I started to put together the the 50 and what that is, is it was 50 full distance triathlons. And and just for the listeners that don't know, a full distance is a 2.4 mile swim, a 112 mile bike ride, followed by a full marathon run, which is 26.2 miles. So that's 140.6 miles. And so I said, you know what I want to do? 50 consecutive of those and then to make it even harder and push myself i want to do one in every single state again consecutively and so 50 50 ironmans 50 days 50 states um and so i had at the time my kids were six to twelve five of them and we we loaded up in a motorhome and we started in hawaii and went to alaska and the team was waiting for us there in washington and we did the lower 48 and it was an unbelievable journey. We've got a documentary on Amazon Prime called The Iron Cowboy. And we've got a book called Redefine Impossible that's available on our website and also Amazon and also Audible. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's just, that's really pushed us. And that, it took me six years to where I wanted to even do anything else. Um, and, and I was just so busy. I mean, after the, after the 50, um, people were so fascinated with how we did it, why we did it, what that took, the, the, my wife, Sonny's perspective, the five kids, like how on earth do you logistically do something like that? And the, the project got called Redefine Impossible. And, and I, I just got swept away into this world of speaking. I mean, I did not anticipate ever being a, a motivational speaker. And yeah. I actually don't, I don't even, 
I hate the word motivational speaker. I think, I think it's as, you know, it's cliche as, you know, the, the guy down by the river his speech. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so for me, I just like, I don't, I don't thrive off of motivation. And so I never understood that world. And I love, I do love the stories and, and the, the inspiration that comes from that. But I, I like to empower people to where they're not just motivated, but they're empowered to go do something. They actually take action. And I kind of got swept into this world of speaking. And over the past five years or six years, I've spoken to 48 countries around the world and we've done hundreds of events and we've done no marketing, no advertising, just straight word of mouth. And the pandemic hits, right? And literally beginning of March in 48 hours, my calendar gets wiped clean. We're talking no racing. That means no coaching, which we did a lot of, which means no speaking. Everything involved gatherings of large amounts of people. And so instantly overnight, everything got wiped off the table. And it, it was it was an incredible blessing for our family. And I know lots of people have suffered around the world. Um, and complete empathy and, and sorrow for those individuals. But for us, it was just this this opportunity to gather as a family and and have some of that together time again. And then for me personally, it, it was an opportunity to to craft kind of the last dance, if you would, that that I wanted to do for my career. Um, it gave me a full year of of training and planning to where the Conquer One Hundred was conceptualized, and I had an opportunity to really go after it. Do, do you remember the moment where you're like, I'm going to do a hundred? Like, I mean, 50, I mean, nobody had ever done 50 and 50 before, right? I mean, that, yeah. was, that was the first time. Mm-hmm. And so rather than doing like 60 or 70, like what, what do you remember when you were like, you know, I'm going to do a hundred and why, why a hundred? Like, yeah, it just seems so crazy to me. Yeah, it is a crazy number. It's big. And, and to be honest with you, I just kept, kept getting the, 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 the impression a hundred, a hundred, a hundred. And I'm like, nah, nah that's stupid. And yeah. I, I didn't know why a hundred. And then I was like, let's just do 75. And then I think about 75 and I'm like, that really doesn't scare me. Like that's, mm. that seems really doable to me, especially because the whole premise behind the, the hundred was like, okay, if the 50 was chaos, logistics, confusion, exhaustion, if we removed all of that to the best of our ability, did it in one location, which was around our home in Utah, um, slept in my own bed, controlled the food, didn't have the intense travel. Yeah. Could we double it? You know, and then, you know, the number 100 was kind of a cool number. It doubled what everybody was, was like losing their minds over. And then I was like, okay, I, I believed like mentally and physically, okay, if we can control a lot of these variables and just have to worry about physicality, and and the mental toughness of it, I think I believe a hundred is possible, and so that's kind of the premise of where I was coming after it from, and uh, and then I just I just started to plan and, and tried to figure out okay, what's the best way to train for this? How do we, you know, minimize the amount of chaos, the distractions to make this a possibility for our team? I noticed this like this pattern is not the right word of doubling that keeps coming up this concept where. You know, you take a regular sprint, you double it, you double it, you double it. Then you say, all right, let's do 50 of these in 50 states, which is more than twice of what anyone thought could probably be done. And then you took that and you doubled it. And Brandon talks a lot about a method we have in real estate investing. He calls the stack where you basically say buy a house and next year buy two and next year buy a fourplex and next year buy an eightplex. And there's this uh, maybe this like mental frame that you can look at 
what you believed was possible could be doubled, right? To 10 exit, a lot of times you're like, oh, my brain just doesn't believe that's true. And to repeat what you did before, you sort of start to lose confidence in your own self because you already know you did that. So you're not making progress. You're not improving. And so what's the fun in doing it? And I'm just curious if you could share if this doubling thing is a complete coincidence or if there's actually a method to that madness with how you've pushed yourself through this rule of doubles. Yeah, I think total coincidence, but now that you bring it up, you know, I, I've, you know, read this stuff and 10 X and all that. And I'm like, okay, that's a great concept and all, but it becomes so far outside of someone's realm of possibility. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I believe that big goals like that take time and you have to have stepping stones in order to gain that knowledge yes. and experience yeah. because you're going to make mistakes along the way. And if you 10 X something out of the gates, you're going to fail. And yes, there's going to be an outlier that figures it out, that gets lucky, that does it. Um, and then everybody tries to build their campaign off of that success story. But it's it's smoke and mirrors in my opinion. And I have seen, like we coach, and a lot of people contact us because we are the front runners in successfully doing big campaigns and challenges. But what people don't realize is I started with a very achievable half Ironman, half distance goal that at the time was challenging me and pushing my limits, but wasn't out of the question as far as where I was starting. And, and I think that's a great lesson for people, whether it's in business and anything that they're doing. Yeah, we want to push the envelope. We, we want to make ourselves uncomfortable, but we also want to gain momentum and, yeah. and, and success. And I say all the time that like, guys, success breeds success, confidence breeds confidence. And we want to create an environment of winning and momentum. And if you just, if you just, you got, I get it, man, shoot for the moon, dream big and all that stuff, but there's got to be a journey on that path to getting there. And what I see a lot of people doing is they don't respect the goal that they've placed for themselves. And they've just like, they get super pumped. They get motivated, right? And they get outside of themselves and ultimately it's a path to failure. And now what do you have? You've got a resume of failures that you know, now, now they're saying, oh, you know what? I'm going to learn from my failures and do it. I would rather learn from my successes and have fa- small failures on the way to those successes than to ca- constantly have these disastrous dumpster fire yeah. fails on these massive accomplishments. And I think there's a massive mental paradigm shift that people could be having and be gaining momentum and confidence. Because like I said earlier, I don't think there's a goal that if I was passionate about it, believe that the risk reward was worth it, that I couldn't achieve. Now, the caveat or the asterisk to that is depending on the size of the goal will determine how many mini Mm -hmm. goals or stepping stones along the way that I have to have in order to get there, right? And that's what people don't do is they just go from boom, couch to 100. I call it, you can't go from zero to 100. Like yeah. you just can't do it. You got to learn how to, you know, do the small things to get that foundation. I see people go from from couch to, to full distance all the time and they struggle through it. They hate it probably like you did, Brandon, and you, yeah. you hated it because you didn't do the journey. You probably suffered yep. a lot. You didn't have the foundation. A lot of people don't know the beginning of my career. I did three to four years of exclusively fast speed sprint distance racing. And what that did is that built an incredible foundation of strength, durability, and allowed me to be an injury-free athlete. If you look at every single world champion today in the long-distance part of our sport, guess where they all came from? 
Olympic ITU mm. fast as hell racing. And then they went to halves and then they went to fulls, but that's a journey over a long period of time. If the world champions of the sport, like I'm talking the best in the freaking world at the time are following that type of progress and stepping stone methodology. Why should you, the, the, the weekend warrior not follow those same principles? You're going to get burnt out. You're going to get injured and you're going to walk away from the sport with a bad experience. And so why put yourself through that? Take your time. And I get it because people are like, oh, I got go all in, go big or go home. And they go, oh, a sprint triathlon. That, that's, a, that's a wussy thing to do. I'm not going to do that. No, dude, if you, if you race an all-out sprint, like it is a gut-wrenching, turn yourself inside out, hour of hell. Yeah. And an Olympic is, you know, hour 50 to 210 of hell. And so you can really challenge and push yourselves at those lower ones. And there's so much friggin' benefit to starting there. Any one of my long distance athletes that have been with me that like they were just insistent on doing a full and I was like, fine, I'll coach you to a full. I've over time convinced them, let's go back to the basics. Let's work on your speed, your foundation. The reason you're getting hurt is because you haven't developed that amount of speed and intensity at those shorter distances. You're not learning the fundamentals of how to do it. It's like you don't go in and you don't buy a 30-unit apartment complex on day one. Dude, go buy a single-family residence. Figure out what it is to manage one unit, just one. See what that takes. And you're going to learn. You're going to F up, and you're going to learn what it takes. And then you're going to go, okay, okay, learned, grown, let's do two, just like what you guys said. And that, to me, is the same as, like, let's do some sprints. Hell, let's do some 5Ks. Let's get some raw 5K power. And then move on. I think there's so much wisdom to what you're saying as you're talking. Examples are popping off in my head of how I've seen more injuries. This is funny in my entire like athletic career in softball games running from home plate to first base. (laughs) Everyone blows their hamstring out because blows their hamstring and tweaks their meniscus. Everything. And it's 45 feet or whatever it is. But it's because you're not in any form of condition to be doing that thing right like you could run a triathlon and it's flag yep. football same idea right and i think about investors pickleball yes there's like all these examples start <laughs> popping off in your head right of like how yeah. every time i yeah. got hurt it's because i went back in the weight room and i remember the weight i used to lift and i thought eh, i could probably mm, get yeah. most of it and then some ligament that wasn't even tied to my muscle just couldn't handle the strain that i put on it and it ripped and it's my fault for not letting that ligament build up right like you, the the, yeah. the worst fad that ever showed up was crossfit Oh, and every chiropractor and every PT in the world is like, yeah, CrossFit, baby, let's go. Bring on the insurance claims, man. I love it. Bring on the PT. Ankle surgeries, knee surgeries, shoulders. I mean, these these guys are like, yes, do more CrossFit, people. Yeah, we see this. Jump in right there and do the heaviest Olympic lift you can. And you know what? Do it as fast as you can. And when you're tired and you can't do it anymore, throw your form out the window. It doesn't matter. Just get to 100, however (laughs) ugly it takes to get there. Get any way you can get to 100 as fast as you can blow out your knee. Do it. So we see this a lot with, with clients that I'm working with trying to buy like their first house. And they basically have a goal, a hundred X goal of financial freedom. Okay. I don't want to have to work ever again for the rest of my life, which is really a much bigger goal than almost every human being actually gives it credit for what you're saying you want to accomplish. Never work again, ever is a very difficult thing to achieve. It is also a worthwhile goal to pursue. So you're not living your life as a slave to money. Uh, it's going to take some work to get there. 
and they try to do it in one deal or two deals. And they're looking for this unicorn that's out there that in one fell swoop, they can just boom, achieve it. And then it doesn't happen. And then they get discouraged. And then they think real estate's not for me. And then the sourness starts to set in and, and everything goes wrong. Whereas if they could just listen to the advice James is giving and say, you're not trying to get financial freedom with the house. You're just trying to learn how investing works. And then you're trying to learn how to do it at yeah. a little bit of a bigger level. Like my first world record, world record was in 2010. And that was 11 years ago. That first world yeah. record was a stepping, the smallest of stepping stones for me. And now I've done sports endurance history. And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I have five to 10 years of a lot of really hard work before I can exit this game. I, five to 10 more years after giving everything I have for 11 years, that's going to be 21 years of going all in before I'm like, okay, I now am going to have complete financial 21 yeah. years. And guys are like, yeah, where, which, which MLM should I jump on right now? Yeah. 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 And try to, this, okay. Yeah. That lotion is going to do it for me. Yeah. You know, it, it just, I laugh and people are like, no, it doesn't matter if you're doing MLM or whatever, like you can make a lot of money, but it just takes yep. so much time. The time, se- guys, the secret to success is doing a lot of little things consistently. Here's the catch over a long period of time. Yes. And, and it's just foundation and foundation and building, building. You have to build those building blocks. You, a, a mansion starts with one brick. A mansion literally starts with one brick. I'm, I'm still a decade out of like putting the, the top spire on my mm. mansion. Like, and I've put in hella work to this point. But most people aren't. Here's here's the thing. Everybody knows what they want, right? I know what I want. I want the I want the car. I want the boat. I want the hot trophy wife. I want the amazing kids. Everybody knows what they want. New Year's New Year's comes around. Like everybody knows what they want. They're asking the wrong question. What are you willing to sacrifice in order to get it? And if you can reverse engineer it and then start to start to like really really hone in on what you're willing to sacrifice. Now you're getting closer to what yeah. you can accomplish and get. So you need to flip that script and go, no, what do I want? What am I willing to sacrifice? And how do I divvy that up and change that narrative? Now we're getting somewhere. I think there's a lot of wisdom in that too. I think most of us, when we see that there's somewhere we want to be that we're not, the first question we say is, well, what more do I have to do? We're very com- comfortable with saying, what do I have to add on to my life? But typically success comes from me saying, what am I willing to let go of, which is what you're saying here? What am I willing to sacrifice to have what I want? Yep. And I also, the last thing I'll add is I think that in order for predatory companies to take advantage of somebody, uh, a nasty MLM, or in our world, there's all these gurus that say, give me $80,000 and I'll teach you how to flip a house. They, They have to sell you on the dream of the one punch knockout. Give me your 80,000 because I can teach you how to take somebody out with one punch and you can skip the consistency and the fundamentals and the building blocks. And that is literally how people are taken advantage of. If we can remove that element of wanting to skip the work just to get the result, people won't be vulnerable to the point where they'll fall for this stuff. Dude, I don't even know a ton about real estate. And just you saying that, I'm like, take that 80, divide it into four, take 20, put it down by four single residences (laughs) and and learn. learn And now you're actually getting real life experience. (laughs) Sure. You're going to make some mistakes, but you're going to get at least one good property out of that and then take that, flip it and sell it. Now, at least you have an asset instead of whatever. I don't know. There's just so much that you could have heard on this podcast. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. I'm just like, take that 80 and, 
buy yeah. some property. Yeah, because you will. I don't learn know anything. So about, I don't, much. I, I, even I don't like. I'm a dumb athlete, right? But I you're don't spot even, on with what you just said. <laughs> even I can just get that concept just in the last thirty seconds. Yep. Yeah, it's just because people want the easy way out. They want. They want. They want that financial freedom fast, which is one thing me and David talk a lot about. Is it's great. Like you can pursue that. Like you can pursue being a you know, a triathlete or winning the Ironman. Great. That, that can be the goal, but yeah, you're not going to go out there immediately from day one and go try to try to try to win that in the first race, right? Like build, build it up. So be comfortable knowing that it's going to take a while. It's going to be uncomfortable. I mean, David and I have both been now investing for almost 15 years. And so when people see us buy a multi-million dollar property and we're like, Oh yeah, I just bought a new thing or put it on my Instagram. And I talk about it. Like people are like, wow, yeah, I can do that too. I'm like, no, yeah. You know how many houses I crawled underneath and like insulated myself and how many three in the morning paint nights my wife and I would do together where we're just painting units, trying to get it ready for a, a tenant who was just going to end up leaving us anyway in the middle of the night, two months later. Like that, we went through all of that so that we could get to where we're at today. And, and you know, 10 years from now, we'll look differently. Uh, just w- put it out one more analogy, kind of spin on our metaphors. David and I here both have started doing jujitsu. We use this, we bring up jujitsu every episode now of the podcast because I, I don't know, it's our life. But like when I asked my, my kind of uh, instructor, his name's Jerry, like, so how long until like, you know, if I'm, if I'm doing this consistently, how long till I get like the black belt, right? That's like the ultimate, like <laughs> I want to get a black belt. How long is it going to be? You know, like, honestly, in my head, I was thinking a couple years. He's like, I don't know, probably 15 years. And I'm like, 15 years, like that's insane. And he like maybe 20. It depends, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, depending on how, how much you want to put into this, but it's not going to happen overnight. But just recognizing that, yes, there was an initial like, whoa, but now that I know that it's there, it makes the whole journey easier because now I have a long-term outlook. And some, same thing is true with financial freedom. If you just accept that it's going to take you a decade or longer to get financial freedom, I and mean, maybe it'll happen earlier because you're, you know, uniquely qualified and special and you bought some amazing property or the market just happened to do something good for you. But yeah, keeping that perspective when you start a long journey, whether it's athletic, business, entrepreneurship, real estate, whatever, I think it just kind of helps you redefine the whole journey. And then you just come at it from a different point. Well, and I'm going to go out on a complete limb. Please. And I just wrote this down, but I'm going to say there isn't a single, not a single successful person out there that started their journey as an expert. Yeah. Yeah. Not a single one. Like they all, at the beginning of their journeys, they all had limited experience. They had a, 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 you know, a get up and go attitude, right? And they had probably they bootstrapped it, but not a single person at a sort of really successful level started out as an expert on any of their journeys. They just yeah. said, "Okay, I know enough <laughs> to at least get uh, to get in trouble <laughs> and get going." But I'm going to dive in, and I am okay making a few mistakes along the way because that's the only way to learn and grow. And you want to try to learn from other people's mistakes as best you can. But ultimately, dude, nobody's an expert when you start. My my journey, trust me, I, I, like I said, I struggled through a four-mile fun run, my first triathlon. I, dude, I didn't know how to swim. I had to teach myself how to swim. I got, I got, I got laughed at and mocked in the pool because I was like halfway through this 400 meter swim in a pool. I am literally hanging on the side of the pool, gasping for air with a nose plug on. I'm telling you, nobody would have looked at that guy in that moment and said, yep, endurance sports histories and here in his future, go get after (laughs) it. Right. So I'm just, I'm just saying like that, you, you have to start somewhere. You have to know just enough to be dangerous and you just got to, lack of a better analogy, you just got to jump in the pool, nose plug and all, and just get after it and make some of those mistakes and come up gasping for air and get back in fighting. In support of that, I would say 
there's a jujitsu analogy and a business analogy here. There's a, a wild difference between your wrestling coach saying, listen, man, you got to keep your elbows in. If your elbows go out, he can get an underhook and take you down and you nod your head and say, okay, I understand. Versus you are in a match and the person does that to you and <laughs> drops you on your head and embarrasses you in front of everybody or in jujitsu, right? Like you, you didn't do the move the way they said. And so you didn't finish them and then you gas out and now they turn around and they punish you for 10 minutes and you go crawling back to your coach and say, okay, now I will listen. I've just seen this in business. I've yeah. seen this in sports. Yeah, I get why this is important, yeah. right? Yeah, what it. we see, yeah. the people that sit on the sidelines, they hear what we're saying. And they're like, okay, I get it. I have to do these things. But until you jump in the pool, you don't understand at a emotional level how important this advice that you are getting about the right form or the right whatever is. And that is why, what, James, what you're saying is so important to so many people because you could hear the words and nod your head and say, okay, I understand. I need to do the choke this way. But until it doesn't work or someone does it to you and you can't get out of it, it gains a whole new level of importance with the level of commitment you put into it. And we see this with like the realtors on my team. I'll say, hey, this is how you got to say something. Until they get in an open house and they totally screw the pooch and the person walks out the door because they blew it, they don't take my advice all that serious. And that's to, to in support of your point. I've just seen this at so many different things in life. Yeah. I mean, I just wrote down knowledge without execution is the same as mm. not showing up. Mm. Uh, you can have as much knowledge as you want, but without show, I mean, great. Take course after course after course. And if you don't do anything with it, it's the same as never right. taking the course. And so why waste <laughs> that money and the time and energy? And so stop taking the courses and just take the knowledge that you currently have today and start knocking it out of the park. Cause that's like you said, that's the only way to learn. You got to take a knock or two. Um, you got to get the wind knocked out of you. You got to, you got to be gasping for air in that water, you know, on the square on your back in, in, in a match. Um, but that's just, that's just life. Mm, yeah, that's good. Are you serious about making real profits from your investment properties? Then why are you paying a property manager anywhere from 8 to 25% of your rent? Cut your expenses the savvy way by self-managing your rentals using RentReady with flat rate pricing that doesn't cut into your bottom line. You think I'm paying a property manager? Heck no. Get your hands off my cash flow. That's me slapping someone's hand. With RentReady, you can collect rent, screen tenants, track repairs, and manage accounting all from your phone. Are you a Bigger Pockets Pro member? Well, guess what? Rent Ready is already included in your membership. Haven't tried it yet? Well, then what the heck are you waiting for, man? We made this possible specifically for you, Bigger Pockets Pro member. If you're not a pro, Rent Ready is offering you 50% off their annual plan. New customers visit rentready.com and use code BP2023. That's R E N T R E D I.com using code BP2023. That's BP, like Bigger Pockets, you know, the podcast that you're listening to right now in the year 2023 to save 50% off of one year of Rent Ready. Cut your expenses when you use Rent Ready to manage your rentals. Sign up today at rentready.com and use code BP2023. Buy low, sell high. Buy low, sell high. It's a simple concept, right? But not necessarily an easy concept. Right now, high interest rates have crushed the real estate market. Prices are falling and properties are available at a discount 
which means Fundrise believes that now is the time to expand the Fundrise Flagship Fund's billion-dollar real estate portfolio. You can add the Fundrise Flagship Fund to your portfolio in minutes by visiting Fundrise.com pockets. Fundrise.com pockets. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise Flagship Fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Always find what you love and love what you find at Total Wine & More. With so many great bottles to choose from at the lowest price, it's easy to find your favorite Cabernet, Chardonnay, or maybe you're more of a whiskey drinker. Well, one of their single barrel bourbons is sure to please. With a little help from one of their friendly guides, find the perfect bottle that's just right for you. Hosting friends or family and don't have time to shop in store? Well, that's no problem because Total Wine & More makes it easy to get everything you need for any occasion with curbside pickup and delivery. But you know what the best thing about shopping at Total Wine & More is? That every bottle comes with the confidence of knowing you just found something amazing. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, find what you love and love what you find only at Total Wine & More. Visit TotalWine.com to learn more. That's TotalWine.com. Curbside pickup and delivery available in most areas. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. B21. I, I want to take this back to your story a little bit more and go back to the 100. Like When you were doing that, like what... Oh, let me start with this one. What challenges did you encounter in that? Or was it pretty like, you know, yeah, you know, I got this. I trained for it. Not that bad. Or, or I mean, obviously it's got to be rough. I can't imagine it. But you know, what went wrong? What went right? <laughs> Very few things went right. <laughs> um, <laughs> e even with as, as much experience as, as I had going into it um, and as much things as we tried to control. And I mean, you got to think again. Great example. I had 10, 10 years worth of experience and we tried to push limits and boundaries and we jumped in with an insane amount of experience and still everything went wrong and we had to figure it out. If I did it again, I could do it a, ton, a lot better. And, but we can, you know, we decided to keep showing up and we were ultimately successful. But you know, if I, if I'm to contrast the 50 versus the hundred, yeah. the 50 was logistically chaotic. It was um, tons of learning mentally and physically understanding what the mind and body can do. Um, and it was just an overwhelming amount of fatigue and exhaustion because we were just dealing, always dealing with something. And, and with the hundred, I was, you know, 39 during the 50 and I turned 45 during the hundred. And so you're, you're a different physical being at 45 than you are at 39. And, you know, sometimes you take for granted the experience that you have, you think you're prepared for something and it just like checks you immediately. Um, and I, you know, I kind of, you know, once you go public with something like this and you set the date and then you've got sponsors and commitments and media and everything behind it, it's, it's go time, whether you, you know, want really want to or not. And I kind of came into it with a little bit of an injury that I didn't tell anybody about because I, I was kind of backed into a corner and I was like, you know what, I'll manage it. We'll get through it. And so I had this ankle injury. Um, and didn't realize it would manifest into what it did. And it just exploded up my leg. Um, that led to some really intense shin pain that went into the hip. Mm. And so this 100 campaign turned into two things. One, pain and managing that pain and injury, and then just sheer longevity. Um, you know, you hear 100, okay, 100 consecutive days. Dude, that's a quarter of a year. Yeah. So you imagine staying mentally sharp in the grind, getting the chiz beat out of you for a quarter of a year, no days off, day in and day out, 140 miles a day. 
the compounding effect of that. And so really the hundred became just a battle of managing pain, figuring out the constant movement of injury, and then managing mentally and physically a quarter of a year of the compounding nature of 140 miles a day, which is, it's so hard to put into words um, what that feels like, um, what that looks like, but just do any, dude, brush your teeth for a quarter of a year and not, you know, some people would really struggle with that type of consistency and, and to be all consuming for a quarter of a year, it got intense. It got real. And to just stick, stick with something for that long, that is that challenging was, was really, really tough. Did you get worse and worse throughout it? Like, in other words, slow down. Was it, was it like consistently every time was harder than the last Were you, you know, were you crawling across the finish line at the at the end? Yeah. Um, I, I just have enough experience with these type of things that I know I'm going to get stronger. Um, really? and it was, it was interesting that people were like, okay, we're going to join, we're going to join you like 80, somewhere in the eighties, nineties, maybe a hundred, um, when you've really slowed down. And our entire team was like, you don't want to do that. You want to join him early when he's intentionally pacing, when he's still adapting and adjusting, because once we figure it out, the back half of this campaign is going to be lightning. And we're going to get through the injuries. We're going to get stronger. And we had analysts from, you know, cardiologists from UCLA, top doctors, analyzing our patterns, our sleep, our heart rate variability, and all of it. And we started to see improvements. Um, and our, if you look at my bike times throughout the entire hundred, we got faster. We started breaking our times as we were going deeper and deeper. We got into this. Um, I think on day 100, it was our fastest overall time for the entire event and we were the second or third fastest time on the bike the last two weeks i think we broke the course record five or six times um just we we were dropping people that came out to participate with us on one day um and i mean just through experience we told people like look hold on because we are we throw down on the bike we go out there and we bike really really hard um and then on the last day obviously we try to lay things out on on the line and and just give everything you have knowing it's, it's the last day. That's insane. I, I didn't realize that you just would improve. I just assumed you'd just get worse and worse, but I guess that's like the power of momentum. It's it, like, it, it is. It's, it's success and momentum. And, and what happens is, is when you go from a, a, a normal training camp, because you're trying to avoid injury, you're trying to stay sharp. You don't want to get hurt. And then the campaign starts and you're like, I got to do 140 miles a day. Your body goes, hold on. And it goes into this freak out mode where you're, you're, you're really ramping up the volume. And so the hardest thing, you know, the first five, you're like, okay, that's easy. Five through 25 is really the hardest part of the campaign because your body's like, what are we mm-hmm. doing? And it tries to do everything it can to stop you. And whether that's in the form of inflammation or injury, or it's just trying to protect itself and trying to get you to stop, you know, that's the most challenging part. And that's when everybody quits, right? And then they don't push and get to the point where the mind and body come into harmony with each other and you really figure it out and get to a rhythm. And it just, it took forever for that to happen to us. And and honestly, it was like day 85 to where we like really got into sync to where I was pumping out consistent times, getting faster, really over the, the main part of the injury fatigue. I mean, it got to the point, you know, early, early on where um, the, the shin was such a problem uh, the pressure got so much it felt like uh, my leg was going to break during the marathon, mm-hmm. and 
long story won't get into it but a miracles miracles happen and uh, you know in success in life you have to have a lot of skill a lot of grit but there's some luck involved and we ended up getting coming across this person that had access to a carbon plated brace that offloaded the shin that allowed this me to continue and do the effort and uh recover that that stress fracture in my shin and continue on the i mean just so many things had to had to happen and come into alignment um but it did and and so just these small miracles but yeah i mean that that ad, early adaptation is the hardest thing and as we progressed you gain more knowledge you gain experience you gain momentum and we did we got faster wow. did you ever have a point where i mean i i know mentally you're probably like oh, i'm just going to quit i got to quit was there was there ever like a serious moment where you were like I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And somebody talked you off that ledge. Yeah, no. Yes and no. I mean, my the team I put together is so excellent. And we've been together for long enough that we understand that, look, we're not going to quit, but there's going to be moments where we have to process. And it's okay to cry. It's okay to feel. It's okay to piss and moan. But as long as we don't stay there for very long. And mm-hmm. that's why we're so successful is because our core team, we all have that mindset and we just rally around each other. We let the moment happen and we get them through it and have what I call a quick turnaround. And as long as you can have those quick turnarounds and don't really hyper-focus on that and get back on track, it's okay. And it's actually healthy to have those moments because we're, we're human and we're going to have those lows. And every journey has insane lows and, and insane highs. I just remember a couple of times I was just like, to, to my wife, I was like, I don't, I don't know how many more days I can manage that level of pain. And it was always at the end of the day when I was like, that, that was almost my limit. And she would always say, look, we're done today. And you don't have to do any more work today. The team's going to take care of you, work on you. Let's wake up tomorrow and attack tomorrow when tomorrow comes. And that just became a routine to every night for a little stretch there in the middle. I was like, I don't know how many more days I can manage that type of pain. Because there was a stretch there where the pain got so high, I thought my leg was going to break. I was blacking out. The team would catch me. I'd come to, we'd do a countdown and get moving again. And it would repeat throughout the night until I got to the finish line. And, and so it just became this great piece of advice. The work is done today. You showed up. You did the work. Now, let's rest and recover. Let's hit the reset button. And let's attack tomorrow when it comes. Mm-hmm. And it became this great recipe for us to where like we'd fight all day long. We'd come right to our breaking point. We'd have success. And then we'd have to take that step back, ex, you know, breathe through it, process it, and then show up again. But that was the thing is you had to make a conscious choice to show up. I got asked the question a lot. Hey, what, at what moment did you know you were going to finish each day? And my answer was, as soon as I jumped in the pool and pushed off the wall to start the day. And like, that was it. And so for me, it was like the biggest challenge was like alarm to push off. Like if I can get that through that 30 minutes, I knew we were going to be successful because I could deal with anything that happened after that moment. Because once you start, you go, right? It's game on. You're using the phrase we a lot. Uh, I'm wondering like how, how, I mean, you've talked about your team. Like what are they doing and, and what kind of role do they play in this? I mean, you're the one running and I feel like most athlete, athletes would just say me or I or I did this. But you're continually saying we did this and you're, yeah. and you're treating yourself as a, like yourself as a team. Like how, how does that mentality play into your success? Yeah, you know. <laughs> Nothing great is ever accomplished on our own, really. And anything that I've accomplished has always been my wife 
Sunny Jo is a driving force. She's the behind the scenes that a lot of people don't see. We we do have a family that we have to run and manage. We have a business we have to run and manage, and none of that, none of that stops. And we have five kids, and and that, you know so that that's a huge part. She knows me really well. She has to manage me, my emotions, my food, my therapy, all of that. I mean, it just it doesn't happen without that type of management and and compassion and love. And then you know I've got what we call the wingman. I've got two guys that are full-time Casey and Aaron and you know, on the hundred Aaron's job was the bike. He did everything bike. He did all hundred bike rides with me. He managed, he managed the cyclist. He did the mechanicals. He took it down to the shop. He did, he just got, he was all things bike and Casey was all things run. And then I had a pacer in the pool that was all, all things swim. And so their job was to do that. And and that was their part of the journey. And it it just doesn't happen without them doing that part of it. I I was so, you know, I, it took such a physical and mental effort that, that that's my only job and that's all I can do. And the, the amount that it takes to do that, I need other people to do those other jobs. And, and that, that's why it's, we, we are, I'm not the iron cowboy. We are the iron cowboy. I'm this head of the spear and people see me and, and I'm, I'm the, the visual piece of what's going on, but there is so much going on behind the scenes that this head of the spear doesn't have any momentum without the stick, the shaft, the arrow, the person pulling all of that. Like none of it happens. I am by myself. I lose velocity. I lose power. I lose momentum. I don't become a very powerful battle ram without the people behind it. Like, knocking down the door right so it is so important to have an unbelievable team and it takes a lot of um effort and soul searching and and going through experiences to with what i do to find an unbelievable team don't take somebody at in their best moment put somebody through hell get them exhausted and tired now now what do they do who is that person and if that person performs really well tired exhausted broken confused take them put them on your team because because that everybody's great when they're great it's can you be great when you're broken and you and you're supposed to suck right that's how you choose your team put somebody in a terrible situation and see who they are in their darkest moments that's such a good point you know when we're hiring people for you know i own a company called open door capital we buy a lot of apartments and mobile home parks and we uh when we're finding people like it's what my natural reaction is, who do I like or who's around me? Who's got a pulse within my vicinity and I can grab them for my team. But in reality, like, like you said, everyone looks good. Everyone looks good on a resume. Every resume I've ever read looks great. Every awesome. time I'm like, oh, these are amazing. Yeah. Like these people are great, but you don't know until they've gone through it. I, I, I use the analogy a lot lately of like, uh, you know, old Testament Bible. There's like David, right? David and Goliath. Everyone started that story, David and Goliath. And like, so little boy, David goes to fight Goliath. Um, at, at, uh, to win the whole, you know, the whole war basically. And the king of Israel is like, yeah, go ahead. Now, like in, in what world would a king allow a little kid to go and like yeah. represent their country, right? It doesn't make sense, except for the fact that David had proved himself in those tough times. He had killed a, what, a bear and a lion. And like, he was a lion killer already. He had that reputation to himself. That was an identity. He shows up there with a powerful weapon, that sling. And like, that's why the king was okay letting David go out there. And he knew he and, had and, that confidence. And he had that confidence because he 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 had done the 5K. He did the sprint. He did the Olympic. Like he did the he did the smaller stuff. So that way he could take on the thing, regardless of age. 
And so anyway, that's, that's been a big thing is we only hire lying killers. Like you've got to prove in our business that you've gone through every single person, I think in my company now has either been an intern, like started from an internship of some kind and, and rose up, uh, or they've gone through a exhaustive, like, you know, we have a thousand applicants for a job position and we'll whittle them down and we'll have them do test after test after test after test until we're left with one. And it's worked. I mean, like, I think more than anything else, like our success we've had in real estate has been because, I mean, not, I think, I know our success and our speed at which we've grown is because, because we only hire lion killers and they have to prove it. Yeah. Team is everything. For my business, I went through intern after intern that said they can do this and the resume yep. said this. You know who my number one employee and my only employee right now is? Who's that? My 19-year-old daughter who's been through everything with us that understands mm. it. And you know what? She's a friggin' line killer and she's yeah. unbelievable. Like you, If you watch The 100, you know Lucy, she was and managed that entire campaign and she's a special yeah. kid. And she is that special because she has been in the fire on the battlefield with us the entire time through all of these journeys, all of these records, and she understands who we are, the brand, what we stand for, and she just gets it. And she's a lion killer. I love it. Speaking of your kids, I mean, what what role do they play in this? Not necessarily like the helping side, but maybe that as well. But like, like how much motivation do they put for you? What kind of like you know a character are you trying to instill in them by what you're doing? Like, how does that? How does the kids play into this world of? Uh, you know, your crazy athletic. Yeah. I life. think the best advice I can give to any parent is um, set the best example you can, because your kids are watching with an intent eye. And, and th- that's true with mine as my wife and I, we're not perfect. We totally struggle. We're learning as we go with kids too. But if we just try to be the, be the best we can and push our limits, our kids really pick up on that. And that becomes the new standard of excellence. We've, we've never set rules. We've only set expectations that have natural consequences and held them to it. We've never had to ground our kids ever. Um, and it's because this is the standard. This is the expectation. And if you, do, if you can choose, you can do that or don't do it, but then there's a natural consequence that comes along with that. Can you, can you say that again? Yeah. That was really good. You don't set, I just want to hear that real quick again. You don't set rules, you set expectations and the consequences. What do you mean by that? Okay. Real simple one. My daughter got her driver's license and she, I told, we told her this, she took the test. She knew what the speed limit was. If you obey all the rules, you don't get any tickets, we'll pay for your insurance and we'll pay for your gas. And if you break those rules, you have total free agency, do what you want. But if you break those rules and the law comes in and says X, Y, Z, that's going to have a natural consequence. A natural consequence of a speeding ticket, it impacts my insurance rate. Okay. Well, now, because you chose to do that, it was your choice you now get to pay the difference. I'm not going to ground you. I'm not going to take away your car. I'm not going to punish you. But the natural consequence to you speeding is my insurance goes up. You are now responsible for that insurance hike. I love that. I think that's such better training for kids than just like, because I said so, right? Like, yeah. like that's what I, w- I want to say that to my kids all the time. I got a five-year-old and a two-year-old, almost two. Yeah, it's like, why? Because I said so versus... That, this is what the consequence that doesn't, is. That doesn't help them. No, it doesn't at all. Yeah. And it's the, it's the easy way of parenting because I said so instead of taking the time yeah. and explaining why the consequence or natural consequence is happening and what it is. We're just like, get lazy and letter of the law because I said so instead of really explaining to them why. Like early on, my daughter, um, we said, hey, don't, don't step on that metal plate. It's really hot. And- she didn't know what that meant. 
and then she stepped on it and burnt her feet. Guess what? She now knows what it means. If I step on something that's really hot, it's going to hurt. And she had to have that experience. And that was the natural consequence of, of doing it. I was going to say the, the older I get, the more I see that so many of life's complications come from our own efforts to separate uh, consequences from decisions that we make. Life is actually remarkably simple and we complicate it when we try to say, how can I get the result I want with by skipping the consequences that would come from the decision that I'm making? Oh man. So what's next for you? I mean, where do you see you, you said you kind of want to go into a phase of your life where things slow down, uh, but you're still racing. I mean, like where are you headed after this point? Yeah, I, I really enjoy the cycling aspect of triathlon. I think I've accomplished okay. everything I want to do in the triathlon world. And I really enjoy riding my bike. And so I really enjoy getting off the road and up into the mountains. Um, and so I'm just going to do, just try to be as strong as I can on a bike, really enjoy it. Don't take the fun out of it. And then just be the best weekend warrior that I can be. Uh, my focus shifts to speaking, empowering other people. Cause I've learned through traveling through the world, like people are genuinely stuck and it's the, it's the conversations they're having with themselves. It's the space between their ears. It's excuses that they're giving themselves. It's the entitlement that they feel is, is justifiable. And so really I want to just share the message and, and be the ultimate example you know, for my type of thing that just says, look, there are no excuses. You take full accountability. You get up and you have to do the, I mean, I'm wearing a shirt right now that says do the work. Um, yeah. That is such a foreign concept to some of the, 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 the newer generation. Um, it's, it's staggering. Uh, my daughter is a, a, a supervisor at a pool for lifeguards. And it, there's a three strike policy on a no call, no show to work. Can you remember a any any <laughs> job you've ever had when you were growing up? What would have been the consequence, the natural consequence? Yeah, one time. You don't. There isn't a. You yeah. don't show up and don't call one time. You don't yeah. have a job, and so I yep. was just completely floored with you know you're allowed to no call no show three times. Three times. Yeah. It was just ass <laughs> and I, just shocking to me that that's what we're dealing with nowadays. And so really I, I'm kind of on a mission to help people get out of their own way, realize that they have to show up. They have to do the work to be accountable that if you suck in life, it's your fault. If you're awesome at life, it's your fault and surround yourself and put yourself in a situation that gives you every advantage that you can and fight for it. And I don't care if you, what, where you come from, I can show you a success story from I had nothing, I was born in this neighborhood to I was born with everything. It is possible. We are human beings, and I'm strictly talking in the United States. Like yeah. you can, like I don't know the landscape of India or Mexico and all these different places, right? I know, I know Canada. That's where I grew up and was raised, and I know the United States. There's so much opportunity. There's so much that can be achieved, and it's our responsibility to learn educate ourselves and then show up and get after it because it truly is attainable. I, I, I came from a, from a country with literally a couple hundred bucks in my pocket. And I knew one person in the United States and I've now traveled around the world. I've achieved a lot of things. I'm very well connected. Um, and, and it was all because I decided to show up with intent in my life um, because it was up to me, whether it was going to happen or not. That's phenomenal, man. Well, I, I want to shift over to the last segment of our show here called the famous four. But before I do, I do have one quick question. What do you listen to when you 
run or bike? Nothing or your music, podcast, what's your listening? Yeah, I do. I do a lot of podcasts. I do a lot of audio books. Um, so I, I kind of will start my um, my rides as I'm warming up with an audio book or a podcast and just trying to gain some knowledge. And then once I get into the meat or the intense part of it, I'll put on music and then um, I'll either finish in silence or go back to a radio book um, or just continue with music. So um, just, just kind of all of it. I, I, I'd like to, to learn um, when I'm out there and that's kind of the best time to do it. Cause when I'm at home. I obviously the kids are full, full yeah. bore. And then we've got, you know, podcasts and business to run and coaching to do. So, yeah. You know, when I did that, when I did the half Ironman, I, uh, I train, you know, in training for the few months beforehand, I listened to music and podcasts and all that. And then the actual event, right? They said no music, no, no headphones, no, right? You can't do it. I was so bored out of my mind on the, <laughs> the bike ride. Like, I'm just like, I, cause I'd, I'd never done that, like gone that long with just my own thoughts. And it, what I find was that I, I couldn't, I couldn't think even of like deep thoughts or like, oh, I just like think about business or I'll like brainstorm that. I just couldn't because all I could think about was like how tired I was. <laughs> and so like, anyway, that was, I, that was when people asked me the hardest thing of doing that, that was it. It was the, the mental weirdness of not listening to anything. So you, I think you, if I train you again. You truly have like, to be know. okay with who you are yeah. mm-hmm. and the conversations that you're having with yourself. And then you got to be creative. I, I, I love that time because it's the time on my bike when I get me up in the mountains and I turn everything off and it's just me. Um, I, I do it. I come up with my best inspiration. I come up with my, uh, some incredible teaching things. I come up with some great product, uh, projects and ideas. Really it's my meditation, my Zen time. Yeah. And, and I encourage some, everyone to find whatever that is for them to where they can unplug. They can get that source of inf- inspiration from whatever it comes from for you. Um, but, but for me, it's just such an important time. Um, I love that time where I'm just like up there and being creative. Yeah, that's, that's cool. I don't, I don't know. I, cu- I couldn't do it, but I a hundred percent agree with that. I, that concept of like, like I actually have a goal. Like I, I track it every week on, do I get two hours of just thinking time? No phone, no music, no nothing. Like, do I spend two hours a week where I'm just in that mode, like with my thoughts, working on something. And my favorite thing is I, I got this new, this is going to sound like an ad, but I swear it's not. I got this thing called the remarkable. You ever seen these things before? Uh-uh. They're it's amazing. It's like a Kindle. If you ever use like a, a Kindle, that's like a black and white screen where it's like the, you know, the text on there, except for you can write on it with a pen. And it's just, it's just like a notebook that you have unlimited pages and you carry it with you. Anyway, this thing's been a game changer. I got it for my birthday, I think. But yeah, it's called the remarkable too. I'm well, a big and, fan and of I it. think, so, yeah. I think the whole thing about yeah. stepping stones was like, look, don't. And I know you said two hours a week, but a lot of people try to yeah. do two hours a day or what I dude start yeah, with yeah. two minutes. Like try to sit yeah. in silence with your own thoughts for two minutes. Yeah. I read a great book. It's actually one of my favorite books. It's James clear atomic habits. And, oh yeah. We just had him on the show a little while ago. Oh dude, such a great yeah. book. And and yeah. one of the things he says is like, look, if you're trying to go back to the gym and get fit and, and healthy, don't go try to power through an hour session. He's like, you're only allowed to go to the gym for a maximum of five minutes. And you're like, why would, what am I going to accomplish in going to the gym for five minutes? And the whole thing is to change your mindset around going to the gym. Because if you go to the gym every day for just five minutes, you've now become a gym goer, right? And then slowly build upon that. Because what, again, all the way back to the beginning of this podcast, we talked about people set themselves up for failure by trying to be perfect, by trying to do too much. Dude, go to the gym for five minutes. Seriously, just go to the gym for five minutes. Dude, if you're 400 pounds and you're trying to go on a journey, don't go vegan and try to be perfect. Just eliminate soda or just eliminate, like start so simple that sets you up for success. It is the secret to winning. 
thousand percent agreed. All right. Well, we got to start getting up here, uh, out of here. So why don't I close this with the last segment of our show? It's time for our famous four. This is the part of the show where we ask the same four questions every week to every guest. So let's throw them at you quickly. Number one, uh, is there a habit or trait you're currently trying to improve in your own life? Something that you're working on? Um, I'm actually doing 75 hard um, because Mm. I don't drink enough water and I do get into the habit of listening to audiobooks and I want to continue to strengthen and stress my mind. And so I have to read those 10, read physically out of a book, yep, 10, 10 pages. pages a day. Yeah. 70 hour hard. That is no joke. I did that last, last fall. It was, yeah. it was intense. I'm on day 24 cool. with my daughters. Nice. Congrats. Oh, your daughters are doing it with you. Yeah. That's cool. I love that. That's very cool. All right. All right. Next question. What is your favorite business book? I don't know if uh, I'll tell you my three favorite books. It's Atomic Habits, Outwitting the Devil, and As mm. a Man Thinketh. All phenomenal books. And mine, of course, Redefine Impossible. Of course. So the next question is we normally ask about your hobbies. I'm just curious if you have any space for hobbies in between setting world records in athletic endeavors. I'm so pumped. Tomorrow morning, I have a tea time at a very private course here in Utah. Uh-huh. I love golf over any of the sports that I do. So Dude, come on to Maui sometime. We'll go golf. some of these world-class golf, uh, golf courses out here. It'll be fun. You should. I'm going to hold you to that. It's a cool place. All right. Last question for me then. What do you think separates successful, we'll say entrepreneurs today, but you could apply that even to athletes, just people in general. What what separates the successful people from those who give up, they fail, or they never get started? If you really had to boil it down. The ability to be okay with, with boredom and repetitive, monotonous tasks. So true. So true. I could not say it any better. Yes. Last question of the day. Where can people find out more about you? Yep. Best place is our website, ironcowboy.com. Um, and a bit biggest pl- uh, social platform is on Instagram, ironcowboyjames. Um, that's where we post everything. It shoots it off to the other ones. But I answer all the questions. I respond to all the DMs right there on Instagram. You can book us for speaking. You can buy our books and our merchandise and everything Iron Cowboy on ironcowboy.com. Yeah, your Instagram is phenomenal. Like I said, I followed every single day of your 100 days. Like, and it was like my favorite thing I did. I was like, look, watching, and you can actually go back. I, I noticed this just now as I was before the show. You can go back on your story highlights and see like all the days. Every of single the pictures day. And, yep. Lucy yeah. did an unbelievable job. She made a highlight for yeah. all 100 days. Every yeah, day. I remember thinking, whoever your social media person is, you need to give them a raise. It's cool. I hired her full time. She got the job. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, because she she did the work. She did I the love work. it. All right, man. Thank you so much. This has been a, a ton of fun and super inspirational. I can't wait to see what kind of the next phase of your life looks like. And I'm going to go check out the documentary. I never watched it. So I'm going to check that out. It's on Prime. And also, if, uh, Prime. if you're bored, there's a 10-episode series on, also on Prime called The World's Toughest Race. And we, oh. we were one of the competitors on that. It was a Mark Burnett production hosted by Bear Grylls. So, Brandon, thank no you. Way. David, thank you. Um, and uh, all the best. All right. Thank you. This is David Green for Brandon, the Iron Man Turner, signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. Braving the real estate investing journey on your own can be daunting. Doubts tend to creep up and stifle your ambition. Is this actually a good deal? Did you run the numbers right? What if you can't find a tenant? Can you even afford this place? What if you lose your job? Whatever you're going through, we've all been there. And guess what? 
The best way to overcome your doubts and hesitations is with a healthy dose of knowledge, networking, and accountability. And that's just what you'll find in our newly released 2024 Summer Boot Camps. After these eight action-packed weeks of step-by-step guidance from expert investors, weekly video modules, live Q&As, interactive assignments, and new friends to keep you accountable, you'll be ready to tackle your first or next deal with full confidence and expertise. Choose from the small multifamily, short-term rental, or rookie boot camps and register by April 12th for the lowest prices. Head on over to biggerpockets.com slash enrollme today. That's biggerpockets.com slash enrollme. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.